It is a privilege to be with you. Uh, I always look forward to being able to open the Word of God and be able to share uh, what God's put on my heart. And I hopefully we can be an encouragement to you this morning too. We're going to actually be in the book of Psalms, Psalm number 33. And I am going to try to get through the entire Psalm, uh, but I hope we won't camp too long uh, on that. But the question we have here is beautiful. What is beauty? So we're only going to look at verses 6 through the end of the chapter, but if we go there, let, let's just start into this. I, I have so much I wanted to say here, but Psalm 33 starts with a challenge. In verse 1 in Psalm 33, it, it has a challenge. It says simply this, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Let that sink in for a minute. Praise from the upright is beautiful. He gives a challenge there, but then he also gives a means in verse 2. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make a melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. So not only does he start with a challenge, he says, praise for the Lord is beautiful, but then he says, how do you do that? In song, we just did that. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Think of the concepts that are involved with that, that we can praise the Lord with song and with, with well, I don't know if we have any strings anymore, but <laughs> uh, we, we can still uh, lift the Lord in song and with our voice, also with our voice there. And it says also in verse 3 there, sing to him a new song, pray skillfully, with a shout of joy. There's vocal songs with an original composition. It's a new song. It's your song for what God has done from your heart. And he says that to do it with all your best and energetically. It says there, sing with a new song, make skill, play skillfully with a shout of joy to your best of your ability and with the energy and enthusiasm with God is. So the question is, we live in a world that is affected by sin. We live in a world where there's stuff going around us every single day. How can you be a beautiful Christian? How can you be beautiful to God? It says there in verse 1, it says, For praise from the upright is beautiful. What does God consider beautiful? A heart that sings unto the glory of the Lord. A heart that says, I am in fellowship with the God of creation, the God of the universe, and he is active. <clears throat> but also, he goes on here and says, why? Why should we give that praise from the upright that is beautiful? It's there in verses 4 and 5. For the word of the Lord is right. Anybody want to say amen? amen? That's right. The word of the Lord is right. Amen. That is constantly something that we can grab hold of. And then he goes on. He says, not only is the word of the Lord right, amen, and his work is done in truth. Hallelujah. He's, he's there. That's that. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking fully with that completely. And then he says here that he loves righteousness and justice. Preach it. 
That's right. He, that, that's the God that we serve. And then he makes another statement. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Beep. Back up the truck here. We have pandemics, poverty, political turmoil, and perversion in society. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes you have to sit back, okay, I can, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord and something. But then you have that phrase jumps out and it says, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Where is it? Well, that's what the last part of the psalm deals with. He says, yes, that is just as true as those first three points that he just said. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And so that's where we're at this morning. Where I'd like to walk with you with you through here is that we can believe that the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord and there's three sources of that beauty that prays for the believer you know what cosmetics are and I don't want to get too far into cosmetics but we can cosmetics take that which is natural beauty and accentuates that natural aspects of the person and so if the Christian has a relationship with the Lord, the Christian has an understanding of who God is, then we will have an accentuation of that joy in our hearts and our lives. And so here's three sources of beauty of God's goodness in the Lord. Number one, it says, beauty is rejoicing in the Lord's creation. Verses 6 through 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. 6 through 9, verse 6. <laughs> By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Beauty is rejoicing in the Lord's creation. This was a verbal creation. What does it say there in verse 6? By the word of the Lord, the Lord's word spoke forth. By his word, with a purpose and a plan, he set, set things in order. It was his guidance, his word that spoke, a word that is true and has put the moon in the earth, moon in orbit, and the earth spinning, and the waves and the seas all working all together. It was effective, it was productive, what God said, that finished what he wanted done. It says that he actually, with his breath, if we drop down in the last part of verse 6, by the breath of his mouth, that was an active creation. See, God was active in that creation. He says, let the seas bring forth the fish. He says, let the earth bring forth the animals. God was very much active in that. It wasn't just some kind of a, a passage creation that he let, let things go on. No, everything he did was very much active. By his very breath, it says, he spoke, and he was active in that creation. And it expressed his will. Yes, God created the mosquito. I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> and he created possums and raccoons and uh, loons up in Minnesota. You ever see a loon walk? They kind of walk kind of funny. 
make funny noises. God was active and knew what he wanted to do. And so we can praise God in this verbal creation. And it was expansive creation. It says what? It says the, the heavens and the hosts. I can't, don't know if we can ever measure heaven anymore. And we send up sky links and we send up satellites and we send up things going to Mars now. I guess they have something digging in Mars right now. They, they, they ran into a stone that it can't go far enough deep in Mars to get the core that they wanted. But how far and expansive is the creation? I remember I was in Denver for a while and they took me up in the mountains. And I sat there and they went into this cabin and it got dark. And they said, hey John, come outside. They shut off all the lights. And I went outside and I don't know if you've ever been up in the mountains where there's no light, no city lights. But you really get a concept of how many stars there really are out there. And it was just, you, know, you look up there and you go, wow. And then the Bible talks about the hosts of heaven and all of the beauty of that. God is an expansive creator. He verbally was involved with it. He created the expansiveness of that creation, that depth and breadth. It's incomprehensible. Nothing was missing, and it was all working together in unity. I think about that because right now there's a, an effort going to put up all these satellites to run a global uh, telephone network. Now, what it takes to put something up in the space right now, you got so much space junk up there. We got to keep track of how everything's moving around, and, and you know, if we want to put something up the sky lab, you got to know well, this satellite's there and that satellite's now, and now they're going to put up, I don't know, hundreds or more to make some kind of a cell phone coverage across the world. But God keeps everything in order. When He created it, He created everything so that there would be nothing causing problems. It was an orderly creation. And that's where he talks about the seas here. He gathers the, the waters of the sea together in heaps and he lays up the deep in storehouses. Yeah, that was an orderly creation. He gathered it together. In Job, he talks about, Job says, you said to the waves, no further, come here and no further. Coming up here today, I saw the Des Moines River and we had to put rocks alongside of the Des Moines River so it doesn't erode. But God has said, you know, the waves of the sea, I tell them how far they're going to go, how far they're going to, to make a difference. And he lays up the deep for storehouses for God's purposes. And then he highlights it very clearly. We can praise the God of creation because it is a divine creation. And that's what he highlights there in verse 8 here. It says, what? Let all the earth fear the Lord. It's not human. It's not something man-made. But he says if, if God can speak and, and it was done, how much do we need to understand that there is a creator God who's in, in control of all things? It's a divine creation and all the earth, the plants, the animals, the minerals, all will give a reflection of this creator God. <laughs> it says there when Jesus was on the earth that he... That he uh, walked with there in Jerusalem and they, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees said 
Master, silence your, your followers. He says, if I silence them, the rocks will cry out. It's a divine creation. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. A creator that's worthy of our awe. You know, we're settlers. That says the inhabitants of the earth. We're, we're settlers. We're, we're pilgrims on a journey with our ultimate home going to be there in, the cre in, in heaven above. But he understands that, that we are resident and we are sitting here. We need to be at awe to have a, a sense of what it's like, this creator God that we serve. You know, the, if some of you have been up to Boone, there's the Kate Shelley Bridge. The Kate Shelley Bridge, I guess, was built in 1881. It's 185 feet above the Des Moines River, and it's 2,685 feet long. That's pretty impressive man-made structure. And if you know the story of Kate Shelley, you stopped the train then from going over it before it crashed. And you can see of, of the great monuments or the buildings that we build. But when it comes to creation, when it comes to rejoicing in the creator of God, we have a God that created this world. From Glacier National Park to Yosemite National Park to the great wonders of this world. The goodness of the Lord fills the earth. Because we have a creator God that's beautiful and we can be a winsome personality because of that creator God that we have. The psalmist doesn't stop there. The beautiful believer, not only does he rejoice in the creator God, but beauty is rejoicing in the Lord's control. He goes on in verses 10 through 12, and he walks with us, and it says what? The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart, I lost my place here. The plans of his heart stands forever, are to all generations. Blessed be the name. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen to do his inheritance. God is in control of human affairs. What about human's wisdom? He who has the most toys win, right? I saw that post. That's human wisdom. To have the most toys that will win. I need, I need power. I need prestige. I need things of myself. That's the human wisdom that we have today to be prosperous and my values and my priorities are all about myself and getting ahead. And he says, you know what? All that's not going to work out. But his purposes, his plans, his counsel, they will ask last for eternity. It says that God crushes those man's plans. Some of you know who Randy Alcorn is. He wrote a couple books. But he had to go to writing because he was a pastor in, in, in Oregon. And he started, got, got involved with the pro-life movement and he was 
put in jail for a day or two because of, of protesting in front of a uh, um, clinic. And he was judged for $250,000, actually several of them, it was like an $8. million judgment against a group of them, and his responsible was $250,000. And so the court decided that they would garnish his wages as a pastor to pay the, 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 the uh, abortion clinic. So he resigned because in Oregon, if you make less than minimum wage, they won't garnish your wages. And so he started a new foundation, Eternal Perspective Ministries. And in that, he's written his books. And actually, more good has come because of his books that he's written, pro-life and, and theology, than what he might have had an impact in his pastor. See, man's plan says, we're going to stop the work and the effective of, uh, work of, of God. But God says, I can change things and make it for my good. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people no effect. His counsel stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. God's not willing that any should perish. And his plan is that all should come to know him as personal Savior. And there's got to be a point in time in your life when you come and say, I am a sinner. I cannot earn heaven. I need to put my faith and trust in him as my, my substitute that I might know him as my personal savior and he will grant me that eternal life. That plan has been from Genesis to Revelation from the first time to the last. That is God's plan and it will stand to all generations. God is in control of human affairs. He's in control of eternal affairs. And that his wisdom, his salvation, his covenant, his kingdom will stand forever. And he even senses blessings as verse 12 talks about. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his inheritance. Where is satisfaction? Where is contentment? So many people turn to different things in this world, but it says here that there's satisfaction, there's contentment, blessedness in following God's will. God's control is blessed. There's security, there's satisfaction. You see that, that, that talks about, though, an inheritance. That somebody who has something that passes it on down to those that follow him. The people who has chosen as his own inheritance. God makes the choice. He is involved with those who are his following him. The blessing is in a relationship to the Lord. Their God recognizing him as supreme being, keeping his commandments, worshiping him in honor, and serving him. You know, we have the Constitution of the United States of America, and we, we love that Constitution. It, it gives us a, a great nation that is founded upon principles of, of the Bill of Rights. And we're excited about that. We just had the 4th of July, and we, we praise God that we live in the freedoms of America, but how much greater do we have the control of eternal perspective, 
a greater universe of an eternal body that God is in control of, of those who come to follow him. The Lord's control fills the earth with goodness. The creator God fills the earth with goodness. The Lord's control, both of human affairs and eternal affairs and his blessings, fills the earth with goodness. And that is beautiful when we praise the Lord and we understand that relationship that he has with us. He goes on in the psalmist here and he says what? Verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful as a creator, as a controlling sovereign, but also beauty is rejoicing in the Lord's care. Verse 13 picks up the psalmist. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looks on the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Beauty is in rejoicing in the Lord's care. God cares for his people. God's interested in mankind. He's watching men. That's what the verse 13 talks about. He's watching us. It's a positive view seeking his favor as I mentioned in Ezekiel 33.11. God's not willing that any should perish. And he is watching and looking with a positive view, a pure view from, from heaven on high which is not affected by the sins of this earth. It's a perceptive view and that he has discernment and understanding of mankind and who we are and what makes us tick. Remember, he took on the form of a servant. He got hungry. He got tired. He was tempted in the areas that we are. His discernment, his perception is clear. He understands all of our problems and ticks and the things that we struggle with. He understands that we are the sons of men, as he says there in, in verse 13. He sees the sons of men. That's who we are sinful inhabitants of the earth which it says is what the domain of Satan the domain of, 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 of the wickedness around us but the psalmist draws the attention here he says he fashions the heart now my, my new King James says individually but but Literally, you could say the same or alike. It says, every man is formed in the same way of the image of God. No one is different or, or special or has extenuating circumstances. We all come before him as sinners. We all come before him as he would have us. His design was framed and formed in the nature of man. 
And so, in doing so, he looks at the, the works of man and the last parts of that, that phrase there. What is man made up of? He says, well, well, let's look first off at authorities. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. Whether it's kings or authorities, it says it's weak. Nothing can work with it. What about physical strength? What about just being the, the strong? And it says here, oh, no, uh, a horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Physical strength is weak. Acquired goods is strength. There's no deliverance in man's abilities. There's no deliverance in the acquired possessions that we have. He understands the works of man. God is interested in mankind. He's watching us. He fashions the hearts. He understands the works of man and what we try to do. He realizes just the ultimate weakness of, of it. But his attention is on the righteous. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Not only is he interested in mankind, but he is also attentive to the righteous. Behold, it says there, know for sure, look here, understand, get your attention here. This is important that you want to know that God's eye is on his servants. Why? Because he has a personal relationship with his children. Those who fear him and respect and avoid his justice, there's a relationship there and a hope in his mercy. I didn't play a lot of sports. Maybe you guys played some sports. Soccer, baseball, football. I didn't do very good in football. I just not built did play some basketball, did play a little baseball. But a coach in coaching the team helps them to realize what they did right, what they did wrong, and how to, to improve what they did right. And that coach is involved with all the team. He's involved with trying to make that team the best they can so they can go to regionals and, and finally to state and maybe become state champions. And everybody goes, But if the coach's son is on that team, he may be very careful not to give him special treatment, but he has a special interest in that child. God is interested in his children. He's interested in all mankind that none of them perish. But he says, I have a personal relationship. I have a personal interest to those who really follow my will and then follow my instructions and trust in his mercy because that's what we always need. Nobody's perfect. We all struggle with sin every single day. The Lord's care fills the earth with goodness. 
you have to wonder why God doesn't send lightning and strike everybody? <laughs> it's like, how do all these people get away with the evil and the wickedness? Because God's merciful. When you and I find ourselves in the depth of a struggle of depression, the depth of, of despair and, and difficulties, God's mercy is still there. It says, come, child. Bow your knee before the throne. Confess your sins, and I will be, will be faithful and just to forgive your sins. The mercy of God is there. We trust in that, and that is good and beautiful, and that God is that loving God. But the psalmist completes our psalm by saying, Beauty is in rejoicing with a confession of faith. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. There's a confession of faith that is publicly declared. Faith in the Lord's timing. We wait for the Lord. God makes promises that he always keeps. God never makes a promise he won't keep. And so we may not see the eternal results of a fellowship with God. It says, I will wait patiently for that timing when God will do what is right and grant that eternal life. Perhaps it's through the waters of death and then finally will raise again those who went ahead. Maybe we'll even be there when the rapture happens in that, that twinkling of an eye and the, this trumpet shall sound and we shall be snatched up. And great timing, but God's timing is perfect. Because he even says, when did he come the first time? In the fullness of time. We wait on the Lord, it says there. Because his security is in God's help. He is the one who brings aid. He is the one who has eternal protection. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sat there before the king. He says, you know, O Lord, O King, let it be known to you that we serve a risen, we serve the God of Abraham and Jacob. But if anything else, know that we're not going to bow down. But they trusted in the protection of God, even though they faced something which they did not understand how that was going to happen. It says here that the psalmist says what he is our help and our shield. He meets the needs in attack. Yes, there are times of discouragement, despair, oppression. But when we turn to God in our needs, he can give the strength that is needed. I have faith in the Lord's timing because he can give protection and strength. But I have faith in the person of the Lord. For our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. That who it is, there is a personal 
aspect to the faith is the eternal heart relationship with God and confidence in his character. What? There's only one person who's ever been perfect, and that is Jesus Christ. He is holy and pure and unique and set apart. He has a personal name in the name of Jesus that says that he lived among us. Faith in the person of the Lord, faith in his timing, faith in the justice of the Lord because he administers that mercy and the correctness in the judgment in time by his grace. And I have insurance of the Lord's promises, a calm endurance, a patient resolution as we hope in you that calm endurance, that patient resolution to wait because he's worthy of our hope. One of the greatest desires, the greatest hopes of, of mankind is that of home ownership. A couple gets married and they say they start having the children and they say, you know, is there that, that time we hope to have a, a residence that we call our own? A place that we can paint the walls and we can hang up a picture and not worry about being dinged for the deposit. It's my house. It's my residence. And when they wait carefully and then that time when they are accepted, uh, that offer for the home is accepted. And now I have a residence. I have a place to call my own. And they can say, I am a confession of a homeowner. I, can, I have this place to be my own. Do you confess your internal residence? Do you have a confession in a person, in a faith of the timing that God will do what's right? A timing in a person who will act in justice and mercy? Faith is the product of the goodness of the Lord. Where did we start earlier, a couple minutes ago? Verse 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. There's the challenge. Gives the means by singing, vocally, with instruments, a new song of what God's done in your life. Why? Because his word is right and upright. His works are done in truth. He loves righteousness, justice, and he says the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. That's not earth shattering. That's not something we can re 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 repulsed by because of the poverty and the, the uh, perversion and the pandemics and the things around us. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord because he is a creator God that created this world. Verbally interested with his very breath. He is a controller of the affairs of mankind. He's a controller of his divine plan which will be completed in his time. He is a caregiver and that he watches all mankind, but he also watches his children who follow him perfectly or the best of their ability. Nobody's perfect. 
praise the Lord for the washing machine in the Bible, 1 John 1 9. We confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The goodness of the Lord is something that we can confess in our faith. And that we can be that beautiful believer that has a winsome personality that draws people to Him because there's a beauty in our character, a beauty in our walk with the Lord. Do you rejoice? in the goodness of the Lord. Do you rejoice and praise God that we serve a risen Savior? We say, how great thou art. And that would be a song that we would close with. We, we just think about that. How great thou art. When I think this son not spare him, sparing, sent him to die. The goodness of the Lord fills the earth. He's a creator, he's a controller, he's a caregiver, and we can confess our faith to him. Our Heavenly Father, let us worship you in song and in truth because you are worthy of all our worship and praise and honor and glory. Lord, may that be a beautifying, winsome aspect of our life, of my life. That they would see you through our spirit. That not only are we doctrinally excited about your truth and your mercy and your justice, but we understand the goodness of the Lord fills the earth. Lord, if there's someone here this morning, I ask that before they leave this place, you would stir in their heart that they would reconcile with you. Maybe even now they commit before you to be better mirror of the goodness of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let that simply be my challenge for you this morning. In the day and the week ahead, think about being that mirror, that beautiful believer that people might be drawn to God. Let us close.